All right, we have uh, one more special announcement that I forgot to do at the end of transition, and we're going to do it right now, and that is we have uh, two uh, new members uh, that are going to be serving in a uh, pastoral way, uh, serving to both our youth and our college kids, and uh, that will be joining our staff, and that is Miss Brittany Bottles, and Mrs. Brittany Bottles, and, uh, and, and, and Benji. Where are you, Benji, who is just up here? Uh, Benjamin Olson. I'm going to have you both come up here. Uh, You can just come up here with me. So uh, Britt has uh, been serving in college ministry for like the last, what, two years before this? Two years. And uh, as uh, we just felt like God was really putting grace on her to really continue and take the baton and really run with college ministries at Riverhouse. And we are so thrilled for this. And uh, Benjamin, as you've, we, he has a man of many talents. He's kind of does everything. He sets the chairs up. He leads worship. And he has an incredible grace with junior high. And so he's going to be partnering with Kenny, coming under Kenny's leadership to serve in our junior high community. And we're really, really thrilled about this. Yeah, God is just really anointing people to minister to the heart uh, of, of this next generation, and we're so blessed for that. So we're just going to pray over Brittany and Benjamin as a community, and I would encourage you to just uh, get to know them, parents, uh, college kids, and just bless them, meet them, incredible, amazing individuals that have walked incredible journeys with Jesus. So let's just pray together and ask for God's grace to come on them uh, for this ministry he's called them to. Yeah, as a, as a house tonight, God, as a family, we say yes and amen. To the promises of God over Brittany and over Benjamin. God, we thank you for the grace of Jesus that rests on them, for their heart for people, Lord, and that we, we just ask, Lord, that you would shepherd uh, the young, God, the next generation through their yes to you, God, that in, your, in their weakness, you will be powerful. God, in their insufficiency, you will be more than enough. God, where they don't seem to have answers, God, you will be mighty to save, God, and that you will flow through them and impact the heart of the next generation, God, for uh, generations to come, God, that the impact of their ministry, God, that they'll plant seeds of the kingdom that will grow up and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, God, and, and fruit that will bear for a lifetime in the individuals that you've called them to serve, God. We bless them as a family, and we just celebrate them tonight and honor them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, lastly, uh, I've gotten a lot of people ask me, I thought you were going to be gone after last week's message. My last Sunday is May 23rd, so you're stuck with me for a little bit longer. Uh, hallelujah. Um, I, I, I am not preaching tonight. I get the honor to introduce our speaker. This is a young man in our community that God, I've watched him quite intimately for the last seven years, humble himself and seek the heart of God. And I've watched as he has humbled himself, the grace of God has taken him uh, from places and, and circumstances that were very different than they are today. And God has continued to raise him up, put grace upon him, the spirit of God resting upon him in powerful ways. It's John Bottles who I'm speaking about. Uh, we as an elder team about about two years ago, started discerning who God was resting upon in the millennial generation that we felt was putting grace to even come and join the leadership team and as an elder in this community. And we're really excited for the church to get to hear from a very anointed, remarkable, and I can say with a lot of firsthand experience, a humble young man that's humbled himself before the heart of God. I love that God is not a respecter of persons. He looks for a willing, yielded vessel to fall upon. And uh, I get the honor to introduce a man, a young man, who is a willing, yielded vessel that the Spirit of God has landed upon, even in his young age, in an incredible anointing that I believe is going to Im uh, impact and bless all of us tonight. So let's honor Mr. John Bottles as he comes to preach the Word of God tonight. 
Well, I know myself, so I'm going to grab some tissues before I start. Wow, what an honor to be here. Um, I kind of stand here surprised because, like Jordan said, uh, God's not a respecter of persons. And I, uh, during worship, I was pinching myself saying, how me? Why me? Why did you fall on me, God? What, what did I do that deserved any of it? And the answer is nothing. But I do think that I, in the last six or seven years, I've found a couple of things and, and, and done a few things that, that I want to offer to the church. Um, since Jordan's message last Sunday, uh, I didn't know I was preaching last Sunday when Jordan uh, preached his message on revival, but since that message, my heart's been burning. Um, and I, uh, every time he says that I believe our region's going to be transformed, I, I tell God that those have to be more than just empty words. And you're, I truly believe that God's going to fall in our region and he's going to begin to change things. And what's beautiful about that to me is that it's a long journey. It's not something that's going to happen in a month. It's not something that's going to happen in a year. But I believe it's something that God's building and that he wants to do. And that when we're gone, that Boise will be a better place. And that the fire of God would fall in our city in such a way that my kids and, and grandkids someday would reap the benefits of it and that seeds we plant that we may never be able to harvest, that future generations would be able to harvest in our city. So I'm, I'm preaching from a place today of that's a core belief that I have, and I ache to see God do that. I ache to see God move in a bigger way. I ache to see God fall, fall on our city and change more hearts. I believe that's the journey we're on, and I think it's in seed form, like Jordan often says. It's just, I feel like we're in the mustard seed phase where God's planted us in the ground, and uh, it takes time for us to, mustard seed goes in the ground and it dies, and when it dies, it opens up and it comes to life, and I, I feel like we're just at the start of that. Um, during Jordan's transition, actually, the Lord gave me this picture that I want to share, and I saw a picture of a large, I don't know what they're called, but it was like a large fountain and it's one of the ones that like the water bubbles up from the top and then there's a bunch of little fountains that catch it and then there's more little fountains on the next level and they catch it. And uh, I, feel like, I feel like tonight there's grace for people to receive who, uh, who are, who are going to be built up and raised up within this community and that, that long to steward the fire of God and the presence of God. And uh, God's fire fell on Jordan in a powerful way and, and Jordan caught the hunger and he burns with it, and, and a small group, like Jordan preached last week, gathered around him and, and caught the same fire and burned with it, and I believe that God wants to do that in a greater way um, in our midst, and tonight, I want to share just openly from my story of how I caught the fire six years ago and how I've stewarded it. Um, six years ago, God, I don't, I've struggled this week to put words to it because I don't fully know how. But somehow, in the midst of my circumstances, I, I caught something that I've burned with consistently for six years, and it hasn't been without fault. It definitely hasn't been without stumbling, but I've, I've stewarded a fire for six years that's hotter today than it was six years ago. And I've become a lot more whole of a person, in a sense, and I've grown in many ways. But as I grow, I feel like the need in me also grows, and, and I become more and more and more hungry. And um, so I want to share, I kind of want to take you on a journey, and um, I feel like there's people in here that you might relate to the start of the journey, or 
you might be far past me on the journey, but I think there's, there's nuggets along the way um, for, people to, for people to grab hold of. So to see this move of God that we're longing to see, I believe that we have to individually burn and we also have to, to burn corporately, but I, I do think it starts at an individual level. I think just like that fountain that I, that I shared, that picture of it, it, it starts somewhere and, and it goes down and grace is deposited and, and more people catch it. And then the people that catch it then have the fire to steward and, and have it to deposit to other people. Um, so it, it, and, and then it starts to burn corporately and it starts to burn bigger. And what started as a small fire becomes a big fire. Um, my journey of catching the fire... Um, it, it was probably 2014, 2015, the end of 2014. I, um, I always, I won't go into my whole testimony, but I, I started partying when I was a, uh, probably a junior in high school, and that's kind of what I, what I used to cope and, and meet needs in my heart that I didn't know were there. And uh, 2014, I kind of had a recognition that this isn't satisfying me and this isn't and this is, God convicted me, and I knew that like my life isn't pure, and, and I need something more than what I know. Um, I grew, I grew, I have a great legacy behind me. My family and my heritage is is very rich, and I always I feel like the voice of God looked like them often, um, convicting my heart. Um, and I came, um, I came to a place in 2014 where I had stopped partying, and I had this. I had this belief that if I stopped doing those things, then I would, I would be a good enough Christian, and I would, I would suddenly be where I wanted to be at. And I came to a pretty sobering reality when I stopped doing those things by my, by my own willpower. I realized that, that I wasn't fully satisfied and that the deep needs of my heart weren't met. And that was a sobering reality for me because I knew I'd done what I could do, and, and that was by my own willpower, but I knew I needed more, and I didn't know what that more was, and I didn't know what that more looks, looked like, but I knew I had to find it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really know where to go looking. I didn't, I didn't open my Bible and read. I didn't start praying a lot, but um, one, one day Jacob, my brother Jake, uh, he invited me um, to Jordan, Jordan's uh, first maybe first church, to encounter out in Nampa. Um, he invited me to a service there. And I remember hearing Jordan speak, and I, I could tell that there was a fire that burned inside him. And I left that service, and I remember telling the Lord, whatever that man, man has, I have to have, and I have to find it. And I knew I left, and for the first time, I feel like in my life, I, I had the recognition that I've been a Christian and I've sat through youth group, and I've sat in the chairs, but I haven't known God. And in the past, that had been, been something that I'd feel shame about, where I was like, I, I don't know God, and I don't know how to get there. But there was something in me that was so broken at this point that, that I recognized a need, and, and something in me was, was so craving it that I, I, I started praying prayers like, whatever it costs, I'll go there. God, whatever, wherever you want to take me, I'll go there. I just, I have to know you because the things I've tasted haven't satisfied the, the repetition, even the, the repetition of the Christian life. It, it just hasn't satisfied me. The, the need that I found in that season, I haven't lost. And I think that's what's propelled me for the last five years 
to, to steward the hunger that I've stewarded is, like I said at the start, I'm just as needy as today as I was back then. And I think I, I came to a recognition in that season that there's a common human brokenness that we, all, that we all sit under. We all sit under a curse, which is death. And we all, we all sit in, in a common brokenness. And that's, it looks like many different things. But what I found in that, that place was the things, the coping mechanisms, um, which for me were drinking and smoking, they didn't actually meet my needs. And I came face to face with, with deep rejection and deep loneliness, which are something some, much, much deeper something that sits much deeper and that's, that's much more terrifying, to be honest, because I, ha- I recognize that I can't break the feelings of rejection by willpower. I can't stop these feelings of loneliness by willpower, but, but I, I need something more. What I found in the midst of my need is that, is that when you come close into contact with Jesus, you start wanting more. And the phrase all week keeps, keeps ringing in my ears, that your name is like honey to my lips. And what I found in that place was his name really was like honey to my lips. And what was dry before became, became fully alive and became full of color. And I, I no longer looked at church like, the, or community, like this is something that I'm going to go to because, because I feel like it today. Or this is something that I'm going to engage, engage with when I want to. But something erupted in me that, that, that I knew I needed it. I, there was a deep need. And I've had the, in the last uh, five years, I think it's, it's probably the greatest gift the Lord has given me is to go to Southeast Asia four or five times. And I've seen a need there that, that's, that's made me burn so deeply they're, they're so needy. The, the persecuted church, they, they all live so close together in community, and they don't, they don't have what we as Americans have, and, and they're so needy for God. And I think what I found in that, even in the last, in the last five years of, of journeying through this, is, is that we have a lot of comforts, and I have a lot of comforts, and it's sometimes hard to see past the comforts, but the, the reality of human brokenness Jesus does heal it, but it's, it's, it's with us. We're fallen. That's why today is the day of salvation. Five years ago, six years ago for me, was the day of, foundation, of salvation. But I can tell you that every day since has been the day of salvation for me. Because my broken heart needs Jesus more than ever. My broken heart needs a Savior more than ever. My broken heart isn't... That's why I tell you I stand here somewhat in shock because... I, I don't feel any more deserving today than I did back then, but what, I, what is different is that I recognize a need that today I wake up, today I woke up just as needy as I did back then. So to, to steward the revival of God personally, I believe that we have, to, we have to come to grips with our own need. And that takes brutal honesty because it, it can be terrifying. Because the depths of rejection and brokenness and pain and the depths of suffering and sorrow that we all experience are, are very deep, but there's something that we share in common, which is beautiful. And I believe that's why that human brokenness, I believe it's actually, it's like a path in a doorway that if we choose to walk through it, we actually, it, it links us together in community because we have something in common. And then today is the day of salvation for me and you also. 
because we have something in common, and that's a common need for God, a common need for something deeper than, than what we can do ourselves. The other one that I, I get more fired up on in this season is how to steward the fire of God within community, how to steward revival within community. And the Lord, this is really fresh to me, this, this thought, because I, for the last probably four, four years, five years, I've been on a journey where it's been me and God a lot of the time, and I've been seeking after God, and I've been... I've been, I've been going after God in the secret place, and I've been spending time with the Lord, but I've had a recognition, it probably really hit me midway through COVID last year, that I can't do this on my own, and that the fire that's in my heart, it, it, it can't stay burning alone. It, it needs other people, and it needs community. And I believe that in order to steward, in order to steward the revival and community, it, it takes us, one, recognizing that we need each other, but even more importantly, I believe that it, it requires that we give ourselves to each other, that we, that we go low and we actually offer ourselves to one another. And I think, I think that's, that's the more difficult part for me, and that's been harder to come to grips with that I that I, I need other people, and I can't self-protection and isolation. That's not how God works. He works in family, and revival comes through community. It doesn't come through one man. One man can burn, but one man can't change a region. God didn't make us to be super Christians. He didn't make a, a single church to be a super team. He didn't, that's not how he works. He works in community, and he works multi-generationally. And he works with, he doesn't, he doesn't care about age. He doesn't care about how, how many years you've served the Lord. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care where you came from. But hunger is not sustained in independence. And there's so many, there's, the personal call that I even want to make on us in this church and in this room is to to give yourself more deeply to this community. The way that I've seen that in my own life has been through Revival Group, which has been probably the most beautiful, but also the hardest area of leadership that I've ever led in. And I've been leading Revival Group for about two and a half years now. And it's an interesting space because, because it's, it's a smaller group. It's 20 people, but we, I can't see all 20 people on a weekly basis, but we're trying to cultivate family, but it comes with its own tensions and its own, its own pressures. And for me, that was, God, how, how do I create intimacy when I only see these people every two weeks? And how do I, how do I create something that actually stewards your heart when it, it feels like I can't be with these people all the time? I don't live with them. I don't, we're not in, in the same place all the time. And I've come to a recognition by leading a revival group that's, that's kind of opened my eyes to the way God's been working in me and how I, how I also think he's working in our community. And what I've found is there's people that came into our revival group, and we began, we, like I said, we began leading probably two and a half years ago, Riley, Sammy, Sammy Shana, and I, and there were people that came in that, that were very new to the church and very new to River House, and they came in, and you could tell that they were nervous, and they were thinking, we 
did a lot of vulnerability nights, and I'm sure they were thinking, what in the world? I came to my first Riverhouse event, and, and you're saying these things, and you're asking these questions. What's wrong with you guys? And I, I, my, heart, my heart did, uh, did feel for them, because it's pretty overwhelming, and the culture is strong with vulnerability here. But I've watched, there's been multiple people in, in our revival group that I've watched come from being shy and and more shut, and their hearts have opened to community, and I've watched God raise them up in the midst of our community, and now they're, some of them are leading their own revival groups. Other ones, I can see the grace of God resting on them, and what I've recognized through that is by them giving themselves to revival group, it actually gave me, it was like rocket fuel to me, because revival group, for me, to be frankly, like brutally honest, became heavy because I felt like I don't know how to lead this. And then the last month, I found so much, so much joy in leading it because other people gave themselves to it and it, it fueled me. And I've, I've, we've looked at each other many nights and said, we could do this forever because if we see that, that's what's gonna keep going. And I think I think we have, to, we have to break this mold that church is done from the top down because I'm the leader in that group, but it was the lowest person that actually inspired me and gave me so much hope to keep doing it. And, and I, tr- I truly say that. Specific people that I look at, I was telling Riley three days ago, I'm like, I can't believe this person. They, they have no idea how much they've inspired me. They have no idea what they've done in my life. And I've told them, but the depths of what they've really done, I'm like, God, thank you so much. So I think, I think we have to break the mold. I think our church has to, be, has to be a mold breaker, that church isn't done from the top down, that we, we don't wait for a place of position, that we don't wait for a platform, we don't wait for our, someone to ask us to serve, that we jump right in. And there are about... Um, about a month ago, this is this interesting thing that I've been processing the last month. I was driving down the road, and I began to calculate all the time that I spend at church or doing church things, and it was a week where I was completely exhausted. And I started thinking, man, how many hours a week am I spending doing revival group or going to prayer or going to church or, or doing all these things? And it was, I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot of hours. And I got overwhelmed by it because I thought, man... I'm giving a lot to this community, and I'm like I'm I'm pouring my heart and soul into this. And I went home that night, and I I heard a voice, not audibly, but like internally, that said, "Why are you spending so much time doing that?" And I knew it wasn't the voice of God because it made me feel like it made me feel anxious, and something inside me was like was very very uneasy. And I sat on it and I processed it. And what, I, what I've come to is, is basically what I told you at the start, that I believe our community is going to see regional revival. And I believe, I believe we're going to see something greater than what we've imagined. And what I'm calling, what, I'm, what I feel like, like, quite frankly, I'm calling everyone to, is to, to lay down some personal dreams to see this community flourish. Because this community doesn't represent one man's dream. I think it represents a dream that's in the heart of God that's going to affect the places we live, we work, the places we play, the places we eat, the places we shop. And I, 
My personal dreams have become very, very small in my mind because my ultimate dream is, God, I want to see your glory all around me. So whether my business grows or not, that's up to you, but I want to see your glory. And I believe the only way to see that is to link up with people in this room and to lay down our lives and to come together. There's really, really practical ways to give yourself to this community. And just so you know, none of the pastors told me to say this. This is my message. So I, I, feel, like I, I feel like I can say things they can't. But there's really, really practical ways to give yourself to this community. And there's always needs. There's always people. The, there, there's needs for volunteers. Where my heart burns is for, um, for Monday, more, Monday night prayer and Wednesday morning prayer and pre-service prayer. I... Um, Probably, I think in 2015, I went with Jordan to Cali, Columbia, and we were at this church that was tens of thousands of people, and we walked in. We woke up at like, I don't know, 3.45. To go, he's told this story before, but we, walked, we woke up at like 3.45 to go to a 4 o'clock prayer meeting, and I was absolutely floored when I walked through the door. I'd never really attended a prayer meeting, and when I walked through the door, there had to be four or five hundred people, I don't know how many hundreds of people, circling this sanctuary, crying out for God at four in the morning. And I walked in groggily, and I, I didn't know at that time, I, I didn't have really language to engage with it. And I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really fully enjoy myself because I, I didn't know what I was experiencing, and I, I didn't have a grid for it. But what I saw completely marked me because it was a church that started with, with just a handful of people and the pastor began to pray with a few of the core leaders and what it turned into was, was tens and tens of thousands of church members and I can't imagine how many hundreds of thousands of people's lives were touched because of it. And the verse in, uh, I think it's in Second Chronicles, keeps, just keeps ringing in my ears that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, I'll pour out my favor and I'll, I'll come and heal their land. And coming out of COVID, I believe it's a very unique time where we all recognize the need for healing in our land. It's not hard to see. If, if we were able to hide before COVID under the American comforts and under all the nice things, I think we've been completely exposed to recognize that there's no way to hide. There's absolutely no way to hide. The third world knows there's no way to hide because there's so much persecution and poverty and sickness. But we don't, we all, I think we're lied to believe that there's ways we can hide. And, and I, would, I would charge the church. I think, I think the timing right now is more important than ever. I think there's an invitation from God to, to seek his heart and to seek his face and that he would come and heal our land. So the first day of, I've actually... I've wept over this many times, and I want to share it, but the first day of 90 days of prayer, we all met here at midnight, um, and I think on a Sunday night at midnight, I think there was probably 100 or 150 people that were seeking the face of God and crying out for God, and his presence poured into this place, and it was a powerful night, and I longed to see that at morning prayer. I longed to see that multiple times a week at prayer, and it's not... It's not for us is what I think we have to realize is when we come together and we seek his face, it's, it's, it's a fire. He's stoking a fire and the, the fire begins to get out, but it takes us coming together. And the reason I personally have been convicted to, 
to look at my own dreams and lay them down at the feet of Jesus to see this community thrive is because it, I know it has to come linking up with people, linking up with fellow believers. I know that all of my dreams that, that I have, and I'm not a pastor, I don't get paid to do this, I don't, I'm in the business world, but all my business dreams, I think I recognize that it's gonna come through his body. That, that revival is going to come through his body as church. And God pours out favor, I believe, on his body, and it begins to spread. And I've shared a little bit about, about it, but what it looks like for me has been, has been giving myself to revival group which I think is absolutely vital, is that we, that we buy into revival groups and we buy into smaller micro-communities and um, in prayer and serving, like I mentioned, and, and really going low. There's people in our community that I look at that don't, that don't get praise for what they do and they aren't seen, but there's specific people I look at their lives and I say, the grace of God is all over you because you go low and no one knows. And it's what I saw in my own life. I, I came to a point where I said, I don't care what it looks like, and I don't care where I have to go. I don't care how low I have to serve, because I was so used to trying to climb the ladder of leadership. I always, people always told me that you're called to lead, and that to me was like a ladder I had to climb to, to get to a place where I could lead people when... God somehow shattered that in my mind, and he showed me that the way up is actually the way down. And it's the humble that get fed. And God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'm excited for what, what God's doing in our community. I think it's a mustard seed. And I would encourage any of us that feel, like, that feel like we've been doing this thing for four or five years now and it's become normalized, I would encourage you that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. That's what fuels me to keep giving myself to this community. That's what fuels me to continue to come here and continue to, to lay down my life is that I believe that we've seen the tip of the iceberg. That's it. And what, what God, I've, like I said, I've had the opportunity to go overseas. I've had the opportunity to go to Bethel and to go to other churches. And, and what I've found in those places is that they really do. They're not just pretty language, but they really have transformed cities and regions. And he's doing it here. So I, uh, I just I want to go into a time of ministry, and uh, someone can come up on the worship team. Um, I want to go into a time of ministry, and I feel like the Lord, I feel there's two specific things and in, in two specific ways that the Lord wants to minister. And the first is I feel like those who are in a position where I was at, where they say, there's a deep need in me that I maybe don't know but this Christian life just hasn't added up to what I thought it would. And it's not satisfying something in me that, that longs to be satisfied. I've prayed, but I haven't known the face of God. If that's you, um, I, I, wanna encourage, I wanna encourage you to come forward. 
and to humble yourself and to recognize your need. And like I said, it's the, it's the humble in heart that get fed. And, and grace is like water. It flows to the low places. And I believe when we come and we put ourselves in a low posture, it enables us to receive grace. And there's grace in the room tonight. God's in the room. If you're here during worship, you know that. God's in the room. The second people, and I feel this very, very strongly, are, are maybe the people that have been here for a while and have come to River House. You, you may not have been here for a while, but the people that say there's a deeper way for me to give my heart to this community. I've been around and I've observed and maybe I've even served, but, or maybe I'm even a revival group leader, or maybe I'm on staff, but there's a deeper way. There's places in my heart that I haven't given to this community. And what I feel like is, is for me, what keeps me from giving myself to this community is the fear that what if, what if I don't see the revival I long to see? Then maybe I'll just scrap it and go find something else but my heart burns in something inside me. I don't see it with my eyes, but I see it in, in my spirit that God's doing something great. So if that's you and you'd say, you'd say, I, I want to give myself in a deeper way. You don't have to know what it looks like. You don't have to make a decision right now of how to give yourself in a deeper way to the community, but that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to see corporate revival stewarded well is in giving of one another, giving to one another of ourselves. Recognizing your need, the first thing I talk about, I, it's like God, he takes the bread and he breaks it. And I believe that's what happens when we recognize the need. It's we recognize his broken body that was given for us. And then he takes the bread and he gives it. I think there's something about breaking and giving recognizing our need and then and then giving to one another so yeah you can just dim the lights and ministry team you can kind of just hover as as people come but if your heart's burning i'd encourage you to come and even if you feel no emotion and you just say i i need something more I need something more than what I've known. God, I ask right now that you'd awaken us to our need. God, and not only the people that maybe don't know you and have never seen your face, God, but awaken the need of the mature and the old and the ones who followed you for decades. God, awaken our need. Awaken us to fresh love. God, we don't want to be the church that lost its first love. God, we want to be ever so needy. 
God, we want our lips to be dry without your presence. God, we want our hearts to yearn to know you. And when God fills me with hunger, it happened last week during, during the service, but when he fills me with hunger, lots of times it, it feels like a physical hunger in my stomach. And if you're experiencing like a deep physical hunger in your stomach, I just encourage you to come forward because God wants to fill you. He wants to meet you with hunger. Yeah, and God, for those of us who, who are part of this community and, and are giving ourselves to it, God, I ask that you would show us how to give ourselves to it in a deeper way. God, that you'd root out all independence within us that wants to, wants to leave, wants to run, and somehow try to fulfill our, our dreams on our own. God, give us eyes to see that this is a dream in your heart and that each of us are dreams in your heart and that when a bunch of dreams in your heart come together, God, we'll see a fire sweep across this land and we'll see a greater dream awakened on this earth than we could have ever asked or imagined. team you can just come forward and begin begin ministering coming like a fire coming like a flood
even if you're in your seats, just express your hunger to God. Say, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry. And I think the biggest thing for me seven years ago, and I, I said it multiple times, but was finally coming to the conclusion that I didn't care what it looked like. I stopped caring what it looked like. I stopped caring what it sounded like. I stopped caring what it felt like. And if, if you feel like you've been so close to God, but you just, you can't ever seem, seem to get to his face, I'd encourage you just don't care what it looks like.